Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Man presents Schlereth and Evans. What is the Broncos' plan of attack this weekend? Which will be here in like five seconds. All right. Rivalry week. Broncos Raiders to kick off the season. All right. What is the Broncos plan of attack on Sunday when it comes to a guy's name we didn't even know three months ago? And what is the plan of attack in the room that he's a part of? I'm talking about a training camp and preseason darling Jaleel McLaughlin. And what his role is um, on Sunday, if you want to take it beyond this Sunday, you can. But I'm just curious your view of that room, but but him specifically. Yeah, I think probably Sunday. I mean, I'm not expecting to see, you know, a huge role for him. I think it's going to be Javante uh, Williams and um, and Samaji Pirine, right? I mean, that's going to be mostly. And I think I think you will see him, though, <clears throat> um, out there and have maybe uh, a set package for him where you're going to try to get the football in his hands, probably in the passing game, and see what he can do. And he's got to kind of earn your trust. Sure. This is usually what happens. You know, if he's a first-round pick, you know, he's your starter. But undrafted guy that you liked and did a lot of good things in training camp, he's got to kind of continue to do those things, um, and then you'll give him more, right? But, yeah, I for me, I want to see it. I want to see him out there. And I think eventually he seems like the type of guy that – it's not too big for him. The moment's not too big for him, and he can play at this level. Now, he's not the biggest guy, uh, certainly, but I think there's a way to get him on the football field to, to let him have a, a impact, especially in the passing game. And um, But he's got to go out there and deliver when his number's called early in the football season and, and Sunday and, and not make mistakes that sometimes rookies make. I sure. Mean, Look, Broncos are trying to win football games, right? You, you don't have time to, like, you know, baby a, a undrafted rookie. That's just the way it goes. So it all depends on, you know, what he does with his opportunities and, and how he looks. But I think he's that type of guy that we will see more and more of him as the season progresses. Like, how do you view him and, and uh, his role? You know, if I were to handicap his touches this weekend, whether it be Pat in, the, in the passing game or handing it to him on the ground, I'd... I, Put his touches at two and a half. You know, I don't think he's going to have a big role on Sunday. Yeah. I don't. Uh, and, and I would probably take the under in that. You know, feature him once or twice. You know, if you have success, maybe a third or fourth time. But that that would be the way that I forecast it. If, if, I, if I gave you two and a half touches being featured, what would you do there? I'd probably go under, you know, because it's just an unknown. And he's, you know, third on the pecking order here. Yep. So we don't even know. They might not. You know, he might he might only play three or four plays, and that might be in the passing game. I don't see him being a big contributor in the running game, you know, touching the football a lot there. I think you try to get some plays and design some stuff up to get the football in his hands, uh, you know, third downs in the passing game. And uh, maybe maybe it's early. Maybe it's early downs too, but screens, things like that, to um, get him out in space and see what he looks like. So I think that's what you'll see more of. But it's so there's so much unknown here yeah. with how Sean Payton views it. Right. And it might just we, – we might not see him at all. You know, it might be, hey, Javante and Samaji Piran. And it's going to be those two guys. Uh, so 
Well, uh, that's what that's what you know. This is what makes it so much fun watching this first game of the season. How does Sean Payton view this thing, and how does he view Jaleel McLaughlin in this offense? Is he a guy that really intrigues him that he loves? And he can't wait to get on the football field. Well, I'll take the over if that's how he views him because he's going to get him the football, right? Is he that type of player? Or is he a guy that, hey, you still have to earn my trust. Let's just take this along slowly. Um, is he that type of player? So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll learn that, I think, early on. Um, but I think right now, not knowing anything, I'd probably take the under. I think so, too. I but I'm so excited. Too. Yeah, I'm excited man. about him, right? Yeah, he's I a little mean, spark plug. You know, he, he's not, he's, he's a small guy. He's probably one of the smallest players in the entire league. Five foot, he's listed at 5'7". So he's probably around 5'6". But listed at 5'7", 187 pounds. I mean, how many guys in that league are 5'7", sub 190? I mean, playing the running back position. Playing the running back position. Not a slot receiver. I mean, goodness. But well, I think there's a role. You know, there's a role. And you see how the NFL game has evolved here mm-hmm. you know over the last 20 years or so and um with the more of of the specialization of certain positions you know the slot player slot receiver and certain tight ends right are you a receiving tight end or blocking tight end and uh there's there's places for both of you and then a, a pass receiving running back right that hey you don't you don't really have to contribute a lot running the football but if you can really help us in the passing game there's a role for you on this football team um but i, I also look I, I keep on saying not running the football but i i think he can still do it now we're not asking him to do it 20 times a game right but you know you, you want to keep defenses honest when you put them in the football game that it's not always a pass also so you know i'm kind of going down that road but i i st- and i do believe he can get it done you know sometimes those guys are hard to see for for yeah, linemen sure sure um so it's it's you know it's one of those things where it's Austin Eckler's, the Darren Sproles, yep. uh, those types of running backs. It's like okay, they're not the biggest guys, but they don't ever get hit hard. Phil Lindsey, yeah, he was that way, right? And 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 so he found that crease, and then just boom, before you knew it, he was by you. So I think he can also run the football um, and and do a good job of that. But I can't like I can't wait to see how Sean Payton views him. We're uh, fixing to find out through his actions on game day, which we, dude, it is Wednesday. Kickoff is Sunday. So what are we talking? Like, we're like, dude, it's, it's, like, we under 100 hours. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. What is four, uh, 24 times four, oh, 96 like hours, that. something like that from kickoff. Holy jumping, man. We are on the doorstep of the season and uh, really looking, speaking of running backs, I'm really looking forward to tomorrow night in primetime seeing uh, the debut of Jamar Gibbs for for the Lions, who got taken out of Alabama with, like, the 12th pick. And they just say, this guy, uh, you know, what he's still called that, they, by the way. Is that right? Oh, yeah. That's right. It's like three or four things every draft, Cecil yeah. nails. Yeah. Um, yeah, he looks like a special player. Uh, looking forward to see uh, the Lions uh, covering uh, tomorrow night on, in primetime. Okay. Coach Primes, yeah, it, prime that, you know, just to go on that real quick is is you know the Lions got so much hype this year. They took a big step last year and finished it off with a win against the Packers. And now you know you have the hype surrounding you. And Aaron Rodgers is going. This is supposed to be your division, mm-hmm. it, but it doesn't work out that way. You know, just they don't hand it to you. You got to go out there and do it. So can they continue that momentum? And then you're starting off obviously with a heavyweight like the Chiefs. Is Kelsey going to play? Chris Jones. 
I mean, he just wants a raise. He said, you know, just give me a little raise. I can still play Thursday night. It's getting late, but I can still go. Oh, I mean, so a lot of oh, interesting storylines here. But you're talking about one of the best defensive players in the game and one of the best offensive players in the game might not be there for the Chiefs. Yeah. So I, I think in general with the Lions this year, I don't think I don't think it's going to work out. I think it's a little, little too much buzz for me. They overachieved a season ago. I think they're. I don't think they're going to be some 10, 11 win team, but they got to win ten to show growth year over year because they ended up with a winning did record they, nine oh, and did eight they really? last year. I yeah. didn't realize that was their record. Wow. But like, do I think they're going to be a ten win team? Ooh. I don't. Do I think they'll be competitive hell as hell and cover that spread tomorrow night? I I do. <gasps> I do. That's most important, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, okay, Coach Prime. Speaking of prime time, Coach Prime has a very important decision to make ahead of Sunday's showdown versus Nebraska. We'll dive into it next. It's Stokely and Zach on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Coach Prime taking center stage in the college football world in a way that no one could have seen coming. I mean, this guy, the CU Buffs, not only have been the biggest story in college football, the biggest, unequivocally. I mean, they owned Saturday. They owned Saturday. Yeah. And the fact that they're, like, the other mega matchup wasn't till Sunday evening um, kind of gave CU, like, uh, again, I, I use the phrase like you're on the main stage. They stayed there, uh, and they're still there, and are being discussed day to day. Like I know, I know a story penetrates when I got people that, like I grew up with that I haven't heard from in a year, and it's like, what's Colorado like? What is that? What's the buzz out in Denver with Coach Prime? It's just it's penetrated nationwide, Stoke. Yeah, and, and what you said there uh, is, is so big. You know, it, it is it is gone over from week to week, right? I mean, from the off season to week two, right? Where it could have just been done. It could have stopped if they go out there and lay an egg. It would have just stopped, right? And uh, but now that momentum has sustained, and it's still here, and it's better than ever. Right, which is so huge because that, I think that was our biggest concern. I yeah, know it was mine. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like you go out there and you lay an egg or you start slow. You know, whatever the case may be, everything that we were so excited for could be done and over with. Uh, but that wasn't the case, obviously. They delivered and delivered in such a big way that uh, the momentum has carried over. And now you got Nebraska coming to town. And it's like, I mean, I can't imagine what that atmosphere is going to be like on Saturday. It's going to be just... Remarkable, unbelievable, and just maddening, you know, that you were a program that was one of the worst programs in college football, and now you're a top 20 team a year later and <laughs> less than a year later, less than a year later, and you have back-to-back uh, primetime games um, on Fox. Wow. Can't make it up. No, you cannot. It's a, it's a- Hollywood script. It is. Disney movie. It is. And I've, I've checked out the slate this weekend, of course. Um, if it was not. For Alabama, Texas, I don't know if this is not once again the most watched game on Saturday because there's no. I mean, there's like one ranked versus ranked matchup, but it's like Tulane, um, 
Boo. Uh, I know you. Greeny weenies. <laughs> uh, they're playing a, a 20th ranked uh, Ole Miss team. Uh, Texas A&M, who's their 23rd ranked team in the country, they're traveling to Miami, which you know could be a fun game. So there's some fun games this weekend. But the, the, the biggest game is Alabama and Texas in Tuscaloosa on ESPN on, uh, at 5 o'clock in the evening. But the next most watched game might be CU and Nebraska. So um, the important decision that needs to be made before the weekend, right? Is this the plan moving forward with Travis Hunter? That he's just going to play on both sides, series after series. I mean, say this is an even football game, the way that TCU was this past weekend. Is Travis Hunter just going to go out there and play 120-something snaps for a second consecutive week? Yeah, why not? Look great to me. He looked fantastic. Um, so the question is: Is it sustainable? I, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Some people are just freaks. Some people are just built a different way, man, and they can just go out there and do it. Marvin Harrison, he was just that dude. He could run for days. He just could run for days. That's just you know, and, and wake up the next day and like do the same stuff over and over again, right? I mean, that's just what he could do. You know, I don't think he ever got tired or sore. Or like He just was an absolute machine. And he wasn't a big guy. Travis Hunter's not a big yeah, guy. Yeah, no, no. Um, and, but he was just, you know, built differently than the rest of us. Built different. And maybe that's Travis Hunter. It just, that just maybe that's who he is. So, but certainly you monitor it and you watch it. Um, and if you're, you, you don't want to overwork him or, or you know, get him injured or, or anything like that because you're, you're using him too much, but... Look, I mean, Dion knows him better than anyone. Yep. And they've been together for a few years. And so I, I would think that, um, you know, you don't want to do that. But also at the same time, I mean, if he can handle it, that's what we're doing, man. We're trying to win football games. Let's get it, right? I mean, that's. I think that seems like that's probably the mindset. Yeah, and you know him, the player, Travis, he's not going to say, hey, coach, play me less. Yeah. When you're going out and grabbing 11 receptions for 100-something yards and having a pick and, you know, all over Sports Center. I mean, this guy... As long as you can handle it, and I mean, did I mean I, I saw him get tired one time and got you know ran off the field, but hey, when you get tired, come out. Yeah, it's no big deal, right? You know, I mean, so it's um, look, he 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 looked, he was dancing in the locker room, wasn't like he was like you know IV'd up or yeah, anything. Yeah, no, no, young kid, man, young kid. Wow, um, that was probably Deion Sanders' number one, um maybe pitch to get a, a power five job is like, I got the number one recruit in the country to come to Jackson state. What do you think I do at the power five level? And now we're seeing it stoke. What could it look like year over year? Like, like as in next season. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself. I already played just one game, but from a recruiting standpoint and the transfer portal standpoint and the Louis standpoint, if you have pelts on the wall at the Power 5 level that you didn't have a year ago, because maybe that dad is just like, yeah, like I'd love to send you there, but there's no, I, I can't go on a, off a swack track record. But now he's doing it in the Pac-12, and if he continues to do it, the recruiting, I can't imagine. I just, I can't imagine. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. Uh, there's a whole, you know, when you start looking at that and, and next year, I, I mean, that's a, 
that's we, we need to get into that at some point because that's a that's a big boy conversation that um, I've been thinking about a little bit and and there's been you know already talk about um, that um, that that I've that I've heard so but that's a, that's a segment right there that sure. we, we do need to get into pretty soon um, and kind of see what that looks like. I like it. I like it. Nothing wrong with a good tease. Okay, just how many eyeballs were on the Buffs this past weekend? I'm holding the numbers. Details next. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Stokely and Zach. Little Diddy about Jack and Diane. Greater, greater Two than Greater in the heartland. Jackie gonna be a football star. Diane's debutante backseat. Speaking of football stars, there's seems to be a couple of them up in Boulder, Colorado, where Troy Rank once went to school. Really, like, you might have to go back to uh, Troy's time in college and shortly after covering the program to when CU had this type of buzz to it. And what type of buzz, you ask? Stoke, outside of LSU and Florida, all right, outside of LSU and Florida State on mm-hmm. Sunday night, which has an inherent advantage because Americans are typically home on Sunday evenings. Colorado against TCU, the most viewed game over the weekend, over 7 million eyeballs. That was 60% more than the next most viewed game. That's how on center stage that was down in Texas on Saturday. Troy, what have you made here of, of the last few days? Yeah, it's just remarkable that they were able to play that well given the amount of roster turnover. I thought they'd be exciting offensively, but lose some games because they, you know, didn't, you know, they just couldn't stop teams. There was some of that to that game, but to play disciplined football, smart, aggressive, the play calling was brilliant. Shador Sanders, I saw him play five or six times the last couple of years at Jackson, and he's really good. I just never saw that kind of accuracy on the deep ball. I mean, he had a feathery touch. He looked like an NFL quarterback at the line of scrimmage, poised, decisive, reading coverages. Like, he did He did a lot of things that you can play on Sunday with. And Travis Hunter was as advertised. You know, we haven't seen a player in college football, a two-way guy. People bring up Charles Woodson. He was really a gadget guy on offense. The last guy that I was able to research and find that did it with any regularity was Miles Jack at UCLA, was a linebacker and running back. His freshman year, he had seven touchdowns and, like, led the team in tackles. But he only had 38 rushing attempts. He was real more of a short yardage guy. And Travis Hunter, I think it ended up being, what, 147 snaps? That's unthinkable. So really cool for the program. The prime effect is real. The attention on it, the way he coaches, the way he, you know, these kids buy into him. It's just something you don't see happen this quickly. Normally it takes a month or so, and it hasn't. It just add water, and they were ready to go. Unbelievable. Really, that's what impressed me was just how – well organized they look especially offensively it was just so impressive uh uh, troy uh, sean payton he's making headlines again you know he's doing more national interviews um uh, seth wickersham had a big piece on him and you know he's talking about russell and what he told russell he's talking about roger and and the penalties and um, just talking a lot, you know, for a, here we go again. It, I thought he apologized and he learned his lesson from, um, you know, a few weeks ago with the Jarrett Bell USA Today piece. And, you know, it's it's nothing, 
huge. It's not huge breaking news like like the last one, but still, it's a week of the game, first game. Probably not what you want to do. What'd you make of it? I love how he's got you all riled up, Stoke. I've been in listening. To <laughs> I was a little hot. I was a little hot. <laughs> we agree on one thing. I love the fact that he put Roger Goodell on blast because he's trying to bring attention to the fact that enough with these officials just just jobbing me. I, I'm over it. Like I've got the I've got the data. I know what you guys are up to. I yeah. like that part. I really do. Because uh, he in the league, that that relationship's not going to mend anytime soon. So it's not like he's going to try to play the nice guy with the league. That that relationship's irre, irre, irreparable. But the point with Russell, and I'm in agreement with you on this. Like, it's a fascinating piece. We never get that kind of access. Obviously, he trusts the writer who's done brilliant work for ESPN on similar types of pieces, NFL pieces throughout the last four or five years. A lot of them on the Patriots. But wonderful access. He got to know Sean. Sean trusts him clearly. The one part that surprises me is. He gets to a point in these stories where you can say, like, yeah, I've challenged Russell, and we just want to focus on football. Like, there's an answer there that conveys the point without the headline-grabbing answer, which yeah. is stop, you know, with Russell Inc. and stop with uh, kissing the babies. Like, it, that part doesn't need to be shared. Like, that's, for me, that's like an off-the-record thing. Like, here's what I really told him, but for this piece, like, uh, yeah, we're just focusing on football. And it does bring more attention to it. I do believe there's a couple things at work. Sean at times can't help himself. He likes it. He, he's clearly trying to control the national narrative about him, which he's not the first coach that's done this. Uh, I don't, the timing of being the first week's a little odd, but secondly, he does like bringing attention to himself to take it away from his team. It feels contradictory Stoke. I admit it because they've told the players to lay low as possible and don't say anything. And yet three times over the past month, he's made headlines. But part of it is a strategy, in my opinion, to take everything away from the players and put it on him. But you do run the risk of violating their trust. And also some guys just don't like to be criticized publicly or the a conversation you had with them shared with the media. That is the part he's, for me, you'd have to be careful with, with a new team. If you're having these conversations, and I hope you're saying, telling him, like, yeah, this may end up out there because that's where it gets a little awkward for me. If I have a conversation with you, I'm not expecting you to put it out in the public. It's a conversation between you and I. Right. And, and Troy, the, like, the thing that, like, you know, yes, if he's taking it on, you know, I think that's great. He, he wants the pressure. Uh, take the spotlight off of Russ, but that's not what he's doing. Now, guess what Russ is going to be asked about today? Russ is going to be asked about last year. And Russ is going to be asked about what does Sean Payton tell you? Did what? Well, did you change your brand? Have you have you stopped paying attention to your brand? Like all that stuff that he doesn't need to be talking about right now. So he's actually putting more on Russ, and Russ getting more questions, just like last time a few weeks ago when he was talking about Hackett, and then when he was talking about well, Russ lost fifteen pounds, and now Russ is being asked about all this stuff that he wouldn't be asked about if Sean just coached football and stopped doing interviews. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think the one irony of this is. Russ won't answer it. Like, the question's going to be asked. He just won't answer it. When Russell gets to those press conferences, it's almost like a book tour. He's got four or five talking points he's going to hit, and he's going to say those regardless of the question. So if he's asked specifically, what did you think when Coach told you to end Russell Inc. and not kiss babies, I guarantee you the answer's not going to match the question. It's just not. That's just not how Russell is. And that makes it even more of an odd fit. You know, like, it's just, it's, it's, it's Well, I did, Zach, I asked Sean Payton, because I knew game week he's not going to be a joy to deal with, and I'm fine with that. He runs hot. He spews lava. It's who he is. I've covered moody coaches. 
no big deal. But I know that, that I'm not going to ask like a fun question or off-the-wall question to him during game week because he's probably not going to participate and engage. But I asked him last Thursday, the whatever the last day we talked to him, I think it was last Thursday, in person, you know, you have this biting sense of humor and sarcasm, and Russ is more positive than Ned Flanders on The Simpsons. It's an odd pairing. It really is. And yet, I asked him, like, how does this, do you guys fit? And he said, it works. I'm sarcastic with the guys. They're more comfortable. And he said, more than anything, I just put so much pressure on, on them in practice that it's the idea is it's going to make games easier, that I'm going to put so much on them, they will be able to play fast and free on Sunday. Okay, but it is a weird pairing. These two do not have the same personality in any way. That doesn't mean it can't work, but they are, they are an odd pairing in terms of personality. Really, really interesting. Um, what do you make of the dynamic this week? I mean, we, we talked a lot about, about this yesterday, and this will be the last one for me, and we'll let you go, but we talked a lot about this yesterday. Is this the most winnable game on the entire schedule? It's at home, week one, historically great winning percentage. It's your rival. Haven't beat them since, you know, a president ago. Uh, it's been a long time, Troy. I mean, what is what type of emphasis do you put on this game? Oh, I mean, I hate to say must win in a 17-game schedule, but if you're going to have a winning record and go to the playoffs, it feels like a must win. It's not a must win for the season in, in the, the big picture, but if your goals are playoffs and winning season – if you lose this game, you've got to go win somewhere on the road that you're probably not going to win. I mean, you might, but listen, you're going to, you're going to win at Miami. You then If you lose this game, you almost have to win at Chicago. And maybe they will, but that's a tough game. I don't, you know, Miami, they're definitely going to be a dog in that game, an underdog. But the, the most winnable game for me is probably the second week against Washington because it's a non-rivalry game, and they've lost six straight to the Raiders, which is unthinkable. The Raiders have not been great. They're 24-26. and 26 over their last 50, six of those wins are against the Broncos. That is just so comically bad. Wow. That, to me, is worse than losing 15 straight to the Chiefs, right. who during that time have won seven division titles and two Super Bowls. They're, you know, they have an argument for a dynasty if they win another one. The Raiders are nobody's idea of a good team, and you keep losing to them no matter where they play. Oakland, Vegas, Denver. I mean, they could play in, at Coors Field, and it's like, what the heck's going on here? So for me, and I said this on my pod, can they just take the fight to them? Can they just play physical and punch him in the mouth and stop playing the victim and getting run over? And, oh, it's the reps. It's the time. It's the schedule. It's the win. I don't want to hear it. Nobody does in Broncos country. Take the fight to them. When they lose these games, they just get physically beaten down by Josh Jacobs and Max Crosby looks like he's going to Canton. Can you chip him more than my windshield on I-25? Oh, and can no. you tame Josh <laughs> Jacobs and take the game and the fight to them? And if you lose, you hold your head high. The week went out swinging. Be the ugly guy in the fight for once with nothing to lose. I just can't stand watching a team that just gets walked over in must-win games and then has excuses afterwards. And I don't think they will under this coaching staff, but that would be me. Take the fight to them, physical and aggressive, not unlike what CU did with Dion. Mm -hmm. We're going to go at it. We're going on fourth downs. We're winning this game. We're not kicking field goals. We're winning this game. That's it. No other decision, no other things going into this thinking. I would love to see that kind of aggressiveness from uh, Broncos this weekend. The type of aggressiveness that you just brought to the oh. airwaves here on Sports Radio 104.3, the fan. A perfect way to end it, my friend. Have a good week, Troy. Enjoy the games this weekend. Thanks, Troy. You got it, too. All right. Uh, do Russell Wilson, serious question. Does Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, for as different as they are, have more in common than you think? I'm going to ask that question coming up next.
You're listening to Stokely and Zach on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. I'm a dirt road in the headlights. I'm a mama's boy. I'm a fish fight. Kind of county light. Kind of cold beer. Kinda little cold hat beer. down. Little John Deere. Oh, I kind of give a damn. I kind of don't care. You see the girl standing right there. She loves a small town boy like me. Hey, a little program note tomorrow. You can join me and No Shaw Moreno. What about me? As we kick off the season. What about me? What about you? We're kicking off the season at Cochino Taco. In Edgewater. Oh, I wish I was getting some of those tacos. Come celebrate the start of the season. That is tomorrow from 11 till 2. Again, me and No Sean kicking off the season at Cochino Taco in Edgewater. Can't wait to be there. And I cannot wait to collect something from you. Oh. More often than not. Oh. As what you want? We have our King Supers fan football pick them. Get your picks in. First game tomorrow night. Cannot wait. Who are you picking? Um... Come on, pick the Lions. Do it. I'll take the Lions. Yeah? I'll take the Lions. Verbally here. (laughs) (laughs) The weekly winner gets 250 bucks to my friends at King Supers and the grand prize winner. Like, imagine this. You're, You're telling your significant other, hey, I'm so smart at picking football games. We just received free groceries for a year. That's going to happen to someone. Why can't it be you? It costs nothing. You can register now at denversports.com slash picks. All right. Uh, I think that Sean Payton and Russell Wilson have more in common than you think. You do? Yeah. They sound like two different dudes, but go ahead. Explain. Oh, they are very different. Yeah. They are so different. I'm not sure they could be more different. You're getting your notebook out. <laughs> You're getting like your. That's where you keep your files. Like you got you got a file on uh, Melvin Gordon. You got a file on um, who else? Do you, uh, who else do you have a file on? Uh, Judy. Um, is that it? Do you have any more files on anybody? I just don't want to be. Those are part the two established. Files. Okay. Nope, nope, nope. I, I, I had two established files, and the reason that I create a file on someone is you give me so much material. It's hard to stay organized when I talk about you. Right. That That's the only reason I put pen to paper with, like, Melvin Gordon. There just turned out to be so much stuff. Like, how do I stay organized with Melvin? Like, there's just a million things you threw at me, so I had to document it. Um, Judy started working his way there, too, so I opened up a file on him. And now... That's why I don't want a file opened up on him. I'm just hoping to stay out of that book. I've opened up a file on Sean Payton, um, who, you know, is hysterically fun to cover. All right? I think he's the right coach for the Broncos. All right. I like the hire. Yeah. I think the organization's going in the right direction. I think the 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 fruits of Sean's mind are going to show up on game days starting on Sunday. So, but you have officially opened a file on him. Correct. Wow. Correct. Oh. 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 Correct. Wow. Because there's just a lot. It's a bad day for him. I'm just saying, <laughs> if you get a file opened up on you, it's a bad day for you. It just is. And so, because that doesn't go away. No. That's always in your back pocket. And um, as you uh, and, and you keep detailed, really detailed notes in those files. And there's 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 the same thing written at uh, top of uh, the Melvin file or the Judy file, and now the Sean Payton file. Oh. It just says always something. 
Sean Payton. There's always something. Wow. Because in five months, this guy's crammed a career of somethings into uh, our, our, our lives here in Denver, which is, you know, it, again, hilariously fun to cover. Um, he's entertaining, but he does a lot of talking. Like that's that's what I'm learning about Sean Payton. He is extra. He there's just he's done a lot of talking, and and the 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 thing that I think him and Russell Wilson have in common, despite being two totally different human beings, that I'm not sure want to spend a day together outside of work. What they have in common is I don't think they can help themselves. Like with Russell Wilson, we'd get to a point last year. It was like, how is he still posting? How is he? How is he pushing the three hats when you've lost four games in a row? You know, do, do, do you think we want to hear the "Let's Ride" when you've lost now eight of ten? Do you think it's a good idea to go pose with Derek Carr after you get your head kicked in again? Like, do, do you think it's a good idea to come out with the bows, you know, and the sunglasses on, the product placement while you're in London? The and Dolce. The Dolce on the way to the state. It's like there's just so much. And then, you know, after the season where you oh. literally win four games as the Broncos uh, quarterback that was supposed to, you know, come down from heaven and save us from porter, uh, quarterback purgatory, you release a hype video. After winning four games as the Broncos quarterback, shortest hype video ever. Yeah, it's, but it's just like you look at it. It's like how, why, or why would you say that? How did, why would you? Why would you say you have a, a second second chef? Like why, why, yeah. why do you tell us you're doing the high knees on the airplane? Because he can't help himself. And Sean is totally different. I think he's the same way with just saying too much. Just just going a little bit too far. And if you look at already the the stuff that Sean Payton has put out there since becoming the head coach of the Denver Broncos, one offseason after he asked for anonymous donors and just less of everything, he was tweeting at local media members and blasting Roger Goodell on gambling before he had all the information that, you know, Owazarike was literally betting on the Broncos and his teammates from the facility, blasting Nathaniel Hackett as one of the worst. You're not supposed to do that? <laughs> not not no, supposed no, no. to do that. Uh, you know, blasting Hackett for, you know, one of the worst jobs ever in NFL history, said. And then in doing so, throwing the president and the GM under the bus. Don't forget that. That gets lost in the shuffle. <laughs> For letting it happen, and he comes out, does the full-blown apology. I've asked these guys to be quiet, and here I am stepping in it. And then, like, and then on the heels of not letting the free agents talk, not letting the draft picks talk, just doing nothing but talking, doing 45 minutes with Trey Wingo, doing not one but two explosive interviews with Jared Bell from the USA Today. He's spilling the beans on Russell Wilson's weight loss. He's doing a full profile. Of Seth Wickerstam has like a room in the Broncos facility. He's there for so long, and he's floating out conspiracies against Roger Goodell, and this is all when the season's starting, and this guy has shoehorned a lot into one offseason. And I think just the root of it is not nah, he's a bad person on him or Russ's front. They just can't help themselves. Yeah, I mean, that's what it looks like, right? Well well laid out there. Um, I'll tell you where I'm at when you're going through that. Because you know where I've stood before, um, you know, today in this matchup. I've, I've made it pretty abundantly clear if you've listened to this show. Like, you know, this is going to be – we're starting 1-0, right? This is like, you know – it should be a thirty point uh, point spread here, right? I mean, that's that's where we're at. This is we're going to send Josh McDaniels home with an ass kicking. Okay, that's where I've been this whole offseason. Steadfast. Yep, and I haven't wavered, and I'm not going to waver. But I tell you what, 
if this thing goes sideways, and for some way, somehow, the Raiders walk out of here with a win, this is on Sean Payton. This is on Sean Payton. And that's who it's coming down on for me. Because if you start 0-1, it's all this nonsense that you created, that you did. If you just laid low, everything was going to happen the way I said it was going to happen. Beat down at Empire at, you know, 215 on Sunday. It's like the old uh, Saver station. Sure. Empire. Empire. (laughs) Close enough. (laughs) We knew it. I got my blood boiling a little bit. Yeah. I'm going to mispronounce something. Empower. Don't stop him. He's on a roll. Hey, that's on him. Let's stoke cook. That's on him. (laughs) Running for mayor. That's who it's going to be on. Kissing babies. Because everything was working and going just like I thought it would go. And this thing was coming together. The Raiders are a disaster. And it was going to be a beatdown. And I still think that. But if something happens where it's not, this is going to fall on Sean Payton's head. Wow. That's where we're at, Zach. Strong take, no doubt about it. But uh, DMAC, um, Darren, you got to file. He's got a file. <laughs> oh, he's got a file. Yeah, you open a file on Sean Payton. He's like got what? a file. You, uh, did, uh, do you have a DMAC file? I do not. I have wow. a file on of Melvin. Apologies? <laughs> a DMAC apologies? Uh, it's <laughs> Melvin <laughs> Volume 9. <laughs> got Melvin. You got Judy. You got Sean Payton now. Got a file. <laughs> got a file got KKFN, KKFN, oh. HD1, Longmont, Denver. Well got that on file also. File that. Receive yeah. that. I'm curious, man. I'm curious your thought. I mean, he gave, it's another installment of the of the of the Sean Payton, um, just the Sean Payton era, the Sean Payton saga. Say, uh, do do as I say, not as I do. I Definitely, guess. I guess. I mean, you know, listen. You, part of that thing with Wickersham, okay, a lot of that was built in the off season up in Idaho, but he let Wickersham come up to his office the after the Wednesday practice against the Rams, and boy, we thought that practice was bad. Now we know. Now we really know how bad it was um, because he allowed Seth Wickersham to, you know, see it, see it all, talk about it all. You know, how he laid into his players, what was going on. I actually don't quite get it. Like, how does that help? I just don't think, I, I don't think there's anything to get. I don't think there's like some big objective. Like I've heard people, you know, like Peter Schrager from NFL Network, who he's tight with, or, or even as recent as Troy a few minutes ago saying, hey, he's taken the pressure off of his team. Mm. I, I, like, like, and I respectfully disagree with those guys. Like, look at the quotes. Which quote is taking the, like, it's. No. I mean, I mean and, and if you're wrong. The other one was like, this was a planned thing. And it was, you know, some master class. Cecil sort of was uh, espousing that. And apparently he got some, you know, what a master stroke by, by other coaches. I'm like, hey, come on, guys. No, he came out and apologized and said, I'm, spo- I've asked. This was, guys, this was a month ago. He said, I've asked these guys to, 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 to lay low. And here I am stepping in it. Stepping in it. Talks about having a trophy in his office that is like a goof about stepping in it as he's kind of stepping in it again. But you know what? This is our guy. All right? Like, Prime is our guy. And uh, like the Buffalo Bills, uh, you got you to rally around him. Circle those wagons. Circle those wagons. So. Well, well, it's one of these things where, like, you, like I don't have to worship him. No, I'm not, like, I'm not suggesting that. And, and, like, so I can acknowledge that I think this guy is the right coach for the Broncos. <laughs> This guy is experienced. This guy, I think on game day, that's when we're going to see the fruits. But, it, you know, we sat, sat together a couple weeks ago, DMAC, during one of these crosstalks. And, like, yeah. I, I can admit that Sean Payton is the right coach for the Denver Broncos at, at this intersection in time, and he's the perfect hire, but also acknowledge that there has been a great deal of hypocrisy that he has owned that he still can't 
kind of keep himself from stepping into. That's why I just think he he just can't help himself. 